When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Well, the Winnipeg Jets come out flying in the third period. They get three goals in the first seven minutes of the third on the way to a 6-4 win over the Edmonton Oilers tonight. Edmonton had a 3-2 lead after the first, still a 3-2 lead after two, but then Winnipeg completely dominating as these two teams split their two-game set. So the Oilers dropped the 3-5 and five on the season. They have yet to win back-to-back games. Winnipeg upping its record to 5-2. and two. Thanks for tuning in tonight. It's 8.49 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins and... Rob, I, I mean, quite frankly, just a, a very, very poor third period from the Edmonton Oilers tonight. It, it was, um, but you could see it coming. And you and I talked about after the, the second period, there was a number of grade-A scoring chances, a number of big mistakes made by the Oilers tonight. The, the, the Jets had a three-on-one, they had a two-on-one, they had a breakaway. Those are plays that you got to get out of your your system. And the Jets weren't uh, successful on those uh, they either they they muffed them or, or or there was big saves at that point by Koskinen but if you continue to make big mistake after big mistake eventually you're spending too much time in your own zone and it's going to cost you and and that's what happened the Oilers uh, miscommunication uh, taking the wrong side of the player you're defending uh, chasing in your own zone uh, the Winnipeg Jets are a strong team up front and in the third period the Oilers didn't force them to play in their own zone so all of a sudden the Jets got to play to their strengths, and that was by rolling their lines, getting the three quality lines that they have out there, and the other mistakes cost them, and Koskinen was hung out to dry again. So uh, it was just a game that you felt starting to slip away from the Oilers, and the Jets were able to capitalize when they needed to. Final shots on goal, 33-26 in favour of of the Jets, uh, three players for the Jets in particular, Rob, with a big night. Andrew Kopp, two goals and two assists. Adam Lowry, a goal and two assists. Nikolai Ehlers, a goal and three assists. And, and then I think you throw in Paul Stasty, who made some nice plays, a goal and an assist. I mean, those four guys in particular, I thought, were driving it for Winnipeg. Well, that's what makes Winnipeg uh, a quality hockey club because you didn't name any of their top line right there. Uh, you know, the the Wheeler-Shifley-Connors line is an excellent line. Is You know, it'd be in the top five or six lines in the National Hockey League. And they were held quiet tonight. And that's what, when, when Dubois gets here, it, part of the line A trade, he moves in with Ellers. And Stasny moves down to your, your third line. And all of a sudden, this team is three three strong lines deep. But tonight, the, the second line, especially to me, Ellers was exceptional. I thought he was great last game. He was the best Jet last game. And then again, tonight he was. And when opportunity knocks, you and we've seen this with Pugliarvi here this year playing with David, you look at Cop on Winnipeg. I'm not sure anyone would have expected him to have the start that he's had, but he's getting a chance to play because there's no Liney, there's no Dubois. So he's moved up in the lineup, and he was excellent tonight. So the Oilers... When you play against teams that are deep offensively, you try to find their Achilles heel. You try to find their weakness. That's on the back end. And the Oilers tonight 
too many turnovers in the neutral zone, uh, not getting pucks in deep when they need to. The forecheck wasn't uh, up to par tonight. So the Winnipeg Jets didn't have to play in their own zone very much. And the defense that is the weakness of this team weren't tested like they were last game against the Jets. All right, so Winnipeg wins it 6-4. Let's go back to the peg, courtesy Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes, and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's head coach Dave Tibbet. Rob Chichkowski, Post Media. Uh, hi, Dave. Uh, where did you, or why did why did it end up going south on you guys in that uh, four-minute span in the third period? Was that something that was building, or it came out of nowhere? Uh, I thought it was a pretty, I mean, it was a pace game. Second period was really lots of pace. Um, you know, I thought we had some chances in the second period. Cass had a couple real good chances to extend the lead. Then we came out in the third, and uh, they pushed, and we made a couple mistakes, and it ended up in the back of our net, and then we chased it. A few games, I mean, it's tough to play a, a great 60 minutes every night because there's two teams out there, but you've had, you've had a few uh, games here where you've just, you know, let it go with a few minutes worth of lapses here and there. Does this mean that you're you're right there, you just have to shore up a couple of things, or is this a symptom of a, of a problem that's a little bigger than no, you? No, I mean, that's uh, the, the game goes like that. You make mistakes here or there. I mean, it's, it's, it's capitalizing on mistakes, but we, uh, yeah, we just... We got beat a couple times, and it cost us tonight. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. Dave, Connor said he liked the 40 minutes to start again his last game, and then you, you kind of had that lull. Um, do you agree with that assessment? Did, did you like uh, the overall play, and was it just the lack of finish in the second period that maybe was the biggest undoing? No, it was a tight game. I mean, they, they were pushing pretty hard. I thought our power play really, you know, executed well early. Um our power play scored we had two attempts in the first period but they're both scored very quickly so it didn't seem like we had a power play and we we took uh, three penalties again so it some feel like it felt like that they were they were uh spending more time in their rn because of the penalty situation second period was just there was pace back and forth um like I said, I thought Cass had a couple real good. Cass had a chance, and Neil had an open net, and, and we could have pushed the game to to four three or four two, and we couldn't push the game along. And then when you do that and make a couple mistakes, it goes the other way. After McDavid scored, um, can, can you take us through? Were you thinking of a timeout at all at that point to to go right back to them? Yeah, we were, but we were, we wanted to get a short shift out of that one group. Dable and them were were awful tired, and if you take a timeout, then that's 150. So they got to play that whole 150. We were trying to get 30 seconds, so we'd have a timeout, so they'd play play the last last minute and 30, but you'd have a timeout to uh, to take, uh, you know, midway through there. So it was right on that point where if you if you take your timeout, then you got to play them for two full minutes, and that's a long time at the end of a game. Bob Stoffer, 630 Chad. Dave, could you, you made some changes to the lineup. Can you assess the performance of Jones and then uh, Karen Russell? Uh, Jones, he was all right. You know, he was, he was quick. He moved some pucks all right. Uh, JJ, give us some help on the PK. Uh, Russell, that's exactly what we expected of him. He, he got an assist on just some hard work and grind in the corner, but um, the line was okay. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, 
Dave, the goals that Winnipeg scored, they were all right around the net. Is that yeah. disturbing? They didn't come off the rush or anything like that. They were, yeah. it looked like they were beating you to the pucks, more physical or whatever it was, but the goals were yeah. scored from 10 feet out. There's a, there's a puck battle right at the right at the crease, and you got to be strong in there. And we've, we've given up a couple here the last few games. We addressed some of that with video this morning, but we got to get deeper into it. It's, it's a strength in front of the net that you got to have. Uh, and it, this was one of the rare nights where it wasn't the Shifley and Wheeler and, and, and Connor. It was the line with, with Stashney and, and especially Ehlers and Kopp. Did they do something different or would you just had a tough time with them? No, we're just, I mean, they're good players too. Everybody has good players. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah, last one for me, uh, uh, Tyson Berry, uh, not doing as much in the offensive end to make up for his work in the defensive end by the looks of it. Uh, does he need to settle down and concentrate on being a defenseman here? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you got to do both sides of it. I mean, his game is, his game is, has got to be some good puck moving and creative play on the offensive blue line. And, uh, you know, we've, there's been a glimpse of it, but not enough of it. Thank you. Ryan Rashog, TSN. Just in the bigger picture here, Dave, through eight games, uh, how, how far away are you from the game you want to be throwing out on the ice every night? Like, how, how much work is there to do here in your estimation, and how far are you from it? Well, you're always continuing to work. We've been working since day one. So uh, I thought the trip, we actually played some, probably the best, other than a, couple of periods against Vancouver in the second game that's the best we played these last uh, the four games on the trip and there's still some spots that we can uh, we can certainly clean up but there are some steps in the right direction uh, we still gotta we still gotta keep pushing ahead here we got you know we gotta get we gotta get a lineup where we feel like we're solidified where you got people doing the job and we're not there yet thank you this concludes tonight's media availability Captain Connor McDavid on Paul Yarby's plane that is Oilers head coach Dave Tippett as they lose 6-4 to the Jets and talking about some of the problems plaguing the Oilers tonight, Rob, but also throughout the course of this season, and we are now eight games into it, and we're seeing repeated defensive lapses, odd man rushes, open players, and Tip mentioned it there again, losing puck battles in front of your own net or down low leading to goals against by the opposition. Let's start there. How much of that is just digging in and being more determined because Tippett talked about that earlier in the season as well. And how much of that is maybe um, you might have players who are just overmatched here and maybe being asked to do more than they can. Well, I don't think this is uh, something that has developed in the last eight games. This isn't, uh, you know, all of a sudden the others aren't great defensively. They're, they're not good at reading plays. They're, they lose puck battles in crucial parts of their game in in their own zone this is something that we've seen for the last couple of years i mean five on five play was not good enough last year their power play and penalty killing uh, made them a playoff caliber hockey club um i i don't know if there's i don't know of a player that's ever gone into the game and he's like okay i'm not going to give 100 percent on this puck battle so I don't think a guy in front of the net isn't giving everything he has. So if sometimes when you lose a battle in front of the nets, because the guy was, that you're going against, it's not that he's trying harder. He's just better at that aspect of the game. So that could be part of it. They're in front of the net, 
um, when you're battling, it, it, it's physical and it's hard. And sometimes, when, I mean, Lowry sh um, shrugged off Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid got on the wrong side. He was on the wrong side defensively, which allowed the puck to get to Lowry. And then Lowry just pushed him aside because he's bigger and stronger, not as much where, where Connor wasn't working as hard. So, but these big mistakes, it's the other, the others make. If you're, and that, that's a, a great example right there. If you're going against someone bigger and stronger than you, you don't want to get into a physical battle with them. You want to be smarter than them. So on that play where Lowry scored the goal, McDavid was on the wrong side. If he's on the right side, he doesn't have to try to fight through Lowry to get to the puck because the puck has to go through him first. And that's just one example. There was a whole bunch of them tonight. But to me, the biggest thing that we see defensively for the Oilers, and it's not just in their own zone, but through the neutral zone and coming back, is misreading plays. And that's where the Oilers get themselves into trouble or they, they just go to the wrong man, they miscommunicate, and they get mixed up of where what, what their role is in the defensive zone, and all of a sudden you got a guy wide open when he shouldn't be. So it, to me it's not as much, it's not always the battle. A lot of it is just the misreading, which puts yourself in a bad position that now you're battling from the wrong side. And I think we've seen that over and over through eight games and also through a lot of last year. Jets win at 6-4. I, I really, Rob... I, I really didn't understand why Cuckoo came out of the lineup, quite frankly. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to – I don't understand that decision by the coach or, or the coaching staff. Ennis was coming out. You want to reward Patrick Russell. Uh, he's a reliable depth guy. He got a point tonight. Good for him. You know, Kara came back in for sure. T to me, Kara continues to do nothing five on five, even if he can kill penalties okay. So to me, that's still a negative result if you're not doing anything five on five. But Cuckoo's been fine. And and I know you've said that there's a rotation of three guys. Well, play play the best guy of those three. D don't take him out. And I don't know if the orders win tonight if Cuckoo is in the lineup, but that decision made no sense to me. Well, to me, and, and I, what I said before the game is the, the reason that they're thinking is with no exhibition season, there's guys that are going to get stale if they have to sit for too long. And Jones is a guy they expected Jones to be in their top four this year. That was the, the expectation. They, they liked the way he moved the puck. They liked the way that he jumped up in the play. He had a slow start to the season, so he came out and Russell came in. Uh, Russell, in the, he had played fine in the games that he played. So I think they're thinking, all right, we'll give Cuckoo a rest and we'll see if Jones can come in there and do it. Now, I understand I've liked Cuckoo's game as well. And if if there was a minor league system going right now, if the, the HL was going, if there was an exhibition season, then you don't make as many changes that are being made. But they're doing it. They're trying to keep nine guys from being stale that if an injury happens and they're not sitting out 12, 15 games in a row and then having to jump in after not having any exhibition games. So that's why they're doing it. Whether or not Cuckoo deserved to come out, I mean, that's another story. And in, in all honesty, I don't know now if it's just the three-man rotation. And I said it before the game, um, Tyson Berry was brought in to play on your power play. That is the strength of a hockey player. Five-on-five five play, he's able to create, but defensively, he's not as strong as other players five-on-five. Five. Most offensive players aren't. If you're not using him on your power play, and the Oilers didn't tonight, now you got to start to wonder or question is... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Is there a better option, five on five, is there a better option in your third pairing defensively if we're not going to use them on the power play? And that's a question that Mike can answer here when we play against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, I don't see Barry coming out because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, but I think Tyson Barry his rope is much shorter now than one ever would have expected when he signed here in the offseason. Well, and I mean, I think we got to point out that the two additions that appeared to be fairly reliable in terms of what you were going to get out of them were, were Tyson Barry and Kyle Turris. So Barry, as we've talked about him a lot, has lost his spot on the power play for the time being. He played 14 minutes and a second tonight. So, you know, really third pairing mm-hmm. usage. Um, he didn't, he didn't even get a second on the power play. So he wasn't even out late in a power play or on a, on a second uh, unit or anything like that. He only played 26 seconds shorthanded. So he's third pairing five on five and, and Kyle Turris, despite that nice goal last game. And, and you've said it, Rob, I mean, the minuses are, are piling up for him minus three tonight. What is he on the season now? minus eight i know you know there are other stats besides plus minus but still um i mean minus eight eight games into the season is is not a good stat when you've only really created one goal yourself no you're right and i've said this and i will stand by it if, if a third or a fourth line guy goes through the entire season with no points but his plus minus is even your coaching staff's going to be happy. They're like, all right, I, I can put that line out there, and I know at the end of the night it's going to be nothing. There's nothing going in against, nothing for us. Now I believe our best players are better than their best players. But when your third and fourth lines are minus four, five, six, seven, eight, you can't win and be an, a, a successful hockey team, be a playoff hockey team, be a, a division-winning hockey team if you can't trust putting your third and fourth lines on the ice. So right now your third line... Every game is, if you go just by the stat, is minus one. So that now you're already starting the game one down, and you may have the two best players in the in the league on your team, but they're always starting uh, in a deficit at the beginning of a game because you know your third line is going to be minus in the game. So it, it's not good enough. And the biggest, they're they're not creating anything. So now the the defensive play better be stellar because you're like, okay, we're not getting anything. It's not going well right now, but you got to figure it out offensively. But in the meantime, we're going to make sure defensively we are solid. And they're not. You, you can see the, the goals that are being scored against. And Kyle Turret, I mean, you can always tell who was at fault on a goal because they're the one that breaks the stick over the crossbar. And we've seen that a couple of times with Kyle as he gets lost looking at the puck. And it's his guy coming in late and putting the puck in the net. And so, no, Kyle Turris has not been as good as they had hoped. He's not been the solidifying third-line centerman that you can trust at all times. And Barry, again, it's if you're not on your power play and you're not penalty killing, a guy like Cuckoo will penalty kill. So now you're thinking, okay, who is better in our lineup right now? Is, is Cuckoo a better player because we can use him on the penalty kill and get the solid five-on-five minutes where we know he's just going to play a solid 
defensive type game and, and and you'll feel safe out there so that's why i say that it, the three-man rotation that they had is no longer going to be three man because what barry does best barry's not doing so now you start wondering uh does he need a reset and quite a, if, if they weren't playing the toronto maple leafs next game then i would have said that there's a possibility barry might not be in the lineup I have a hard time thinking that they would sit him out when he's going against his previous team. Well, he's already played them, so I mean that's happened. True, true. You don't You're right, anything. but it's it's still one of those. One, as a coach, you always whenever you get a player and he plays against a team that he was at the, the previous season, they seem they usually rise to the occasion. They usually want to have a big night, so it's hard to pull it out, pull him out, thinking okay maybe this is the night where he gets things going because Tyson Berry, and and I say this with all truth and confidence. Tyson Berry is a much better hockey player than we've seen thus far with the Edmonton Oilers. He just hasn't shown it yet. The Oilers led 3-1 before this game was 11 and a half minutes old. They lose 6-4 to the Winnipeg Jets. 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. We will bring in Al on the line. Al, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead, sir. Hi, guys. Good afternoon or good evening. Uh, yep. I just wanted, I got a question for both of you. If you can maybe try and analyze this. Is I, uh, I've got a problem with the Oilers not being able to get the puck out of their end. Uh, it happened in the Chicago series, and I figured, you know, they would at least address that uh, situation in the, uh, you know, for this upcoming season. But they are just absolutely horrible at getting the puck out of their end. And it's cost them game, and it, it, it's just uh, the never-ending. Uh, it's their Achilles heel; is they cannot get that puck out of the uh, out of the end. And are they going Is there somebody that could set up some structure for them to, you know, properly get that puck out of the end? Because they just can't seem to do it on with any consistency or anything at all. And, and it just seems to be costing them uh, um, game after game. I don't well, know it's it, it's not the structure. The structure's in place. It's a lack of execution. So this one isn't on the coaching staff when the players can't get it out because every coach that is at the National Hockey League level has got a firm grasp of how to create breakouts, how to move the puck from your zone into the neutral zone. It's And these players, now they this year they haven't practiced near as much as they would have in training camps and preseason years gone by, but the majority of this defense is back from last year. So to me, this is this is on the players. If the puck's not getting out of the zone, it's not because they're not told the proper way to do it. It's they're messing up. They're just misreading the puck. They're too slow to it. They're making their decisions too late. Um, plays like that. So, but you're right. The, the, the Achilles heel... Well, it's funny. There's, uh, I don't know how many heels the Oilers have because I think they have three Achilles heels. Right now is their defensive play, uh, goaltending, we said before the season, and their bottom six. Those are the three big question marks for the Edmonton Oilers. And through eight games, at times, all three of those question marks have come in and lost hockey games for them. Yeah. Well, and not solely to pick on Barry, but that was another thing he was supposed to help was transitioning the puck five on five. And we haven't really seen him make any, oh, look at that pass, you know, to get it up to McDavid or Dreisaitl or somebody like that. That'll be our adjustment of the game for the Oilers for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts you, a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. All right. We got to call a, uh, a quick timeout. You're going to hear from Connor McDavid. We got Tony, Robert, and Dan coming up on the phone lines. The Jets take it to the Oilers in the third and win it 6-4. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line.
All right, the Oilers have lost 6-4 to the Jets. Edmonton's goal scorers today, Dreisaitl, Larson, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid. Edmonton's record slips to 3-5. A couple of texts to 780-496-0063. Tim says, I have seen enough of Jujar Kara. Why are the Oilers waiting for him to reach a potential that he apparently doesn't have? And another texter writes in, I would like to ask Rob what the problem is with giving up goals in bunches. They were 2-2 against Vancouver, gave up two quick ones, lost the game. I think that's referring to the first game of the season, Rob. And uh, the texture goes on to write, even the last game, as exciting as it was to win in the third, the Oilers fell behind because they allowed two quick goals against. And tonight they gave up three quick goals against in the third. And the texture concludes, that's just off the top of my head without going back and looking at the box scores. Is this something, uh, what's he writing here? Is this, I think, okay, I'll, I think he made is a he typo, but I, this, I, I, think a asking, well, I think he's asking if it's, well, I think he's asking if it's a, sort of a, a mental or a confidence error when you when you get scored on in bunches like that? Well, I think it could be the fact that the Oilers don't have that um, shutdown line that they can put out if things start to go sideways. I know that uh, there's certain teams in the league, if things start to go sideways, they got a defensive pair they can put on the ice and feel, okay, you know what, Tampa, things are going bad, let's get Hebman out there, let's settle things down. Um, LA, things are going bad. Let's get Dowdy on the ice. Montreal, things aren't going the way we want them. Let's get Weber on the ice. Teams got that defenseman or defensive pairing that that settles a game down. Because when you're on a team and you score a goal, your bench is up. The next line out, their whole goal is to keep momentum going. So you're on a bit of a high. You're, you got the emotions are going, the intensity, and you can see a little bit of defeat and a little bit of sag in the opposition. So you want to hit them while they're down. Like, let's get going right now. And I think part of the problem for the Oilers, if you look at their their three pairings, who do you feel completely comfortable with throwing out on the ice to stem the tide? I, I, I don't know if anyone has stepped up and become that player yet. As great a game uh, offensively as Nurse had today, he had three assists. He was minus three. That's your first pairing defenseman who had three points and was still minus three in a hockey game. So I, I think that... Once things get rolling against the Oilers, once the snowball starts coming down the hill, they have a hard time sometimes finding that one pairing that they can put out on the ice to stop everything, just to get them back under control. And you can you can throw up McDavid's line, you can throw a Drysaddle's line, but when the puck gets into your own zone, your your first line of defense is obviously your two defensemen. And if they don't have the confidence and don't have the ability and don't have the veteran savvy to make the right play the safe play then all of a sudden it, it just becomes uh the keystone cops back there shift after shift after shift and i think that's what you see and it's a great point because teams feed off the momentum if they feel they got one they're now looking okay the pass when the others give up one they give up two they give up three let's push and you can see teams rise to that whenever they get that first goal 6-4, the Jets win it. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com, presented by Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeout. Please visit jvedmonton.ca for details. Toronto has just scored to go up 4-3 on Calgary with seven and a half to go. We'll update the full scoreboard in a few minutes. We'll go back to the phone lines. We have our next caller and our Finish the Play contestant tonight. Dan, don't uh, hang up after you make your point. You've already got a Hungry Herd premium sampler box, courtesy Hungry Herd. Top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. We'll play the contest after we hear from you, buddy. 
Oh, sounds great. Um, Go ahead. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Oh, good, good. Uh, I wanted to talk about uh, some of the coaching decisions. Um, so first of all, I got to say, last game, I thought Tippett did a phenomenal job from um, rewarding Cole Yarvey, uh, putting Nurse on the power play instead of Barry, and um, you know putting the big line together for the for the tying goal. Um, but tonight, I thought it was the complete opposite, and I thought all of these decisions were were terrible. Um, you mentioned it earlier. I, I didn't understand Kuku uh, getting benched. I didn't get uh, Kara in over Shore. I mean, I know he's got to play eventually, but I thought Shore's been fine. And then, you know, it really did bug me when, when that timeout wasn't called. And I, you know, I understand his reasoning. Uh, like you said in the presser, you said he didn't want them out there for two full minutes. But, you know, if we score a goal, they won't be out there for two full minutes. That's the whole idea. Like, why do you have to wait until... You don't have to wait until 0.7 left again, right? Just didn't Yeah, well, I, I agree with you about the lineup changes. The the, the timeout, I, I no, thought he really, was going to call a timeout, yeah. That was a really good point that he that caller just made where he says, when he talked about, well, you don't need the full two minutes. I mean, if you score in the first 30 seconds, it's only 30 seconds of ice time. That's a great point. Um, I, yeah, it's funny when they didn't call the timeout, I got about nine texts from buddies saying, Hey, how come they're not calling a timeout? And I was expecting it too. And I understand what Dave Tippett's thinking there. He's like, all right, we'll get the puck in deep. That'll give these guys about 30 seconds rest. Then we'll call a timeout. That'll give them another minute rest right there. So they will be a little more rested when they go on. Cause they just had a long shift when they scored that goal. The problem that the Oilers have is they got four guys that can put the puck in the net and that's it. And when they're not out there, if they don't call the timeout and get them back out right away, the next line that's going out isn't going to scare the opposition. And the one danger you have is if they don't get the puck in deep, your star players don't get back on the ice. Mm-hmm. So that is that is a... Uh, so I, I know what Tippett is doing, but this team is so top-heavy with their, their, their top four that the other team is, you know, good, they're not calling the timeout. All right, let's, let's get this puck in the other op, uh, the other teams in let's not let them get going we we feel confident and i can tell you as a defenseman uh, they the smiles on their face when they see okay good mcdavid's not coming out for a bit we got a little bit of a reprieve whereas if they would have thrown out mcdavid and dry settles right there there's no reprieve it's here they come again and that does worry a defensive pairing or it does worry the other team so i understand what Tippett was doing but me personally, I would have called a timeout. And it's like you're playing cards. You got Trump in your hand. Don't save him till the end. Play them now because you don't want to get caught with them at the end of the hand and not use them. You've got McDavid and Drysaddle. Call the timeout. Get them 30 seconds. Get them back out for the faceoff. And then start pressing again. Because as the caller said, it might not take them the minute 50. So they'll still be rested if they score early. All right, Dan, you're going to finish the play. Kellen, what do we have tonight? And it's Dreisaitl getting it out through the middle. DeCassian, a breakaway, backhand up over the net. May have gone off a hellebuck. All right, Dan, uh, we'll see how much you've been paying attention to Oilers off-ice news this season. Uh, Zach Cassian and his wife recently had a child. Was it a boy or a girl? Uh, oh, God. A girl? 
It was a girl. Your name's okay. going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics. That's courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. I guess I could have said, Rob, was it a girl or was it Boreas Salming to go along with the question I asked a few days ago? <laughs> oh, that would be that'd be an ugly baby, Boreas Salming. <laughs> Six for the Jets win tonight uh some of the other stats note for, for the oilers darnell nurse goes minus three he played 2901 uh mcdavid and nugent hopkins each played about 18 and a half bear played 2347 dry played just over 20 minutes uh face-offs not a good night for the oilers 41 percent dry was 14 out of 21 so for 67 percent he was good but then tourist 31 percent kara 18 percent and uh mcdavid 22 percent so uh they they That's brought down good. no That's i mean you, you have you have one player win 14 out of 21 draws and you still go 41 percent on the night not uh not a good evening okay seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. is it tony up next kellen who do we have let's go with tony hi tony go ahead doing tonight good go ahead buddy um, I just got a few comments. Um, I know it's been talked about and everything like that. And I understand how tip, what Tippett says. You know, you need to give every player, you know, a chance, all this kind of stuff. But Winnipeg is a very good team offensively. They can score on the power play. They can score five on five. And they get in the dirty areas. And when you have that kind of stuff, you know, you don't give the guys who are struggling the chance to maybe redeem themselves because if they don't redeem themselves, then there's a chance that their confidence can go way down. And, uh, you know, that's the big, like, that's what I, that's what is bothering me right now is because we, you know, yeah, we won in the last second, but we still won. Also, with Kara, would you bench him next game? Because it seems like Shore knows exactly what he has to do, even on the, even on the penalty kill. He replaces Kara on the penalty kill. So I just want to know, during practice today or yesterday or whenever whenever, whenever um, it was, do you think he just thought, okay, maybe Kara is going to do better and maybe he'll show up tomorrow night? Or was it one of those things that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Shore was injured, like maybe Shore had some bumps and bruises? Because no, well, he tonight, said that, yeah, thanks, Tony. Tip said that he thought Shore's play had had dropped off the, the last couple games. So, I mean, I guess if that's what the coach is observing, that's what he's observing. But Kara, he continues not to grab opportunities. And I, no. I w- if it's me, I would not play him the next game. I agree, I wouldn't. But at the end of the day, when you talk about whether Cuckoo's in or if it was Jones, if it was Kara or if it was Shore, you're talking about your fourth-line center and your sixth defenseman. So as much as... You're contemplating, was it a good move or not? Again, it was your fourth-line center and your sixth defenseman. Well, Cuckoo has not time. been the sixth defenseman this well, year. Well, they, they felt, though, in the last couple of games that he has tailed off and he was their sixth defenseman. So, I mean, it's it's that's what their prerogative is. It's not it's not like they're benching a dry settle to McDavid. And, like it's, again, it's Cuckoo. And, again, it's Shore. So, I. Uh, I I would not have care in the lineup next game. It, today was an opportunity, and it then it might be this time was what five games. It might be ten games before he gets in again, if that. All right, all right let's go back to Winnipeg. Here's Captain Connor McDavid. 
Hi, Connor. Obviously a frustrating one. It was a, overall a pretty decent effort that kind of got washed away in maybe three or four minutes there. What uh, what happened in that span? How did you guys let it get away from you? Um, yeah, I'm not sure what it was. Um, same type of story as, uh, as the other night. You know, I thought we did a good job most of the most of the 40 minutes. Um, and in the third period, we kind of just like let it get away. Um, able to battle back the other night, not tonight. Um, it's frustrating. Do you get, do you get, because like you said, you've had a couple of these games where you've, you know, done almost enough to win and pulled it out a couple of times. Do you, do you get the sense that you're, you're right there or is this, a, is this a concern that maybe you're not seeing the consistent effort that you guys need? No, I definitely like where we've been at. I like that, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're in these games. Um, you know, if it's not for a couple of uh, second period, uh, you know, kind of misses, in both nights, um, you know, we're up by a couple heading into the third. So, um, obviously, third period, we got to be better. Got to be able to play with the lead, be comfortable protecting the lead. Um, something that we've obviously struggled with uh, the last two nights. Ryan Rashad, TSN. Connor, when you guys have these lulls, is there, a, you know, in your eyes, is there something that falls out of your game? Like, is there a quality that, that you, you lose for these periods of time where you're letting teams pile on to you? Um, you know, I don't think, I, I really don't think that this has been a pattern per se. Um, you know, the other night they, they tie the game and then they get a power play and they score. Um, you know, that's the way it goes tonight, obviously, is a different story that, you know, that's obviously what happened tonight. Um, so I wouldn't call it a pattern really, but, um, you know, we obviously need to find a way to, you know, rebound after, you know, either a chance or a goal against. And um, that's where the next line's got to pick up, uh, you know, where the other line obviously, uh, didn't, you know, left off. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. Connor, was there any conversation after you made it 5-4 about a timeout? What was the strategy there uh, uh, to just keep going? Uh, that's not my field. So, uh, you gotta ask, ask someone else there. Um, I mean, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, we have a balanced, uh, balanced lineup. Um, Cass and, and Naylor and Tur were going all night and, you know, they give us an opportunity to score as well. So, um, yeah. Any other questions, media? Jim Matheson, Post Media. Connor, is, it seems to me that the Oilers are just having a little bit of trouble with the traction. They'll win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. I mean, obviously, you know, you're playing well, but eventually you got to get back to 500. Is, is, is it so difficult just to beat a team two straight when you play them? Um, obviously, the desperation, uh, you know, after uh, a win in the opening night, um, from the other team is, is high. Um, you know, we've been in that position. Um, you know, we feel, you know, you can't get swept. So, um, you know, you definitely expect that. We're, we're preparing for it. I, I didn't think our start was the issue tonight. I thought we matched them. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I completely agree with you in the sense that, uh, you know, we need to find a way to put a couple together here. You know, we had a good opportunity tonight to get back to 500 and, and, uh, and start over kind of. So, um, you know what, but uh, again, I liked our game. I thought uh, I thought we just need to do a better job finishing. 
All right, that's Connor McDavid had a goal tonight. The Oilers lose 6-4 to the Jets. His comments presented by Mattress Superstore. Quickly through the scoreboard, last minute in Calgary, Toronto is up 4-3 on the Flames. Blues lead the Golden Knights 4-3 in the third. Avalanche taking it to the Sharks at 7-3 with five minutes left. Ducks up 1-0 on the Coyotes with a minute to go. Bruins beat the Penguins 3-2 in overtime. Buffalo beats the Rangers 3-2. Flyers knock off the Devils 5-3. Capitals win 3-2 against the Islanders. Panthers get by the Blue Jackets 4-3 in a shootout. Preds win in overtime 3-2 against Chicago. Kings edge the Wild 2-1. Stars win in overtime 2-1 against the Red Wings. The scoreboard update for Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. The Oilers are 3-5. More Heartland Ford overtime open line after the news. The Maple Leafs have beaten the Flames 4-3. At the end of the game... Matthew Kachuk had been knocked down. He's uh, down on the ice in the corner on his knees. And as the buzzer goes, Jake Muzzin had the puck maybe 10 or 15 feet away and flipped it at Kachuk. It was not a hard shot, but he he definitely knew what he was doing. And uh, Kachuk went nuts, went after Muzzin, went after other members of the Flames, and then slammed the door, hit several water bottles and a pane of plexiglass. On the, I don't know if you had that on, Rob, but... Uh, I, I didn't, but... <laughs> I wish I had. I mean, hey, that live by the sword, die by the sword. I mean, at the end of the last game against the Leafs, Kachuk did his fake fall onto the goaltender that was injured. Um, that if you're going to play that way, teams are going to get back at you. I mean, don't get mad when they're doing the exact same thing to you that you do to them. So I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that. A, Players around the league are going to send little texts to Muzzin saying, good job, <laughs> next time shoot it harder. All right, we have the secret professor calling in from the Dreamlands tonight as the Oilers lose 6-4 to the Jets. Secret prof, go ahead, buddy. Uh, hey, Reed, how you doing, bro? Good. Good. I just wanted to know, I mean, we're almost, uh, we're coming up on the quarter, quarter point of the season here in another three or four games, and... Uh, I was just wondering, you know, you guys are really expert in all this stuff. You're really tied into uh, the kind of oilogosphere and whatnot. Like, should I be giving into full-throated, unbridled despair and just roll up in a ball on the floor? Or should I give it a few more games and just kind of take it out on my uh, friends and loved ones by well, being I, a little I, snappier with them like, I'm, like, I'm, like I usually do? Yeah, I, I, I'm always a, a, against any sort of uh, any sort of uh, you know self defeat or, or giving up or anything like that. Uh, uh, but I, I can't tell other people how to feel. But there's there, I mean, like we were talking about, there's been some good moments this season, but there's obviously been some uh, more discouraging moments, and the record it, itself tells you that. And again, I mean, that one texture wrote in about giving up goals in bunches. Um, I mean, a, a three goals in three minutes and 27 seconds. That's that's really how the Oilers lost this game tonight. So it's, well, it's, and it's honestly, pretty frustrating. Could, they could have easily lost last game because of the same thing. Oh, sure. They scored two goals very, very quickly as well. So, it, it again, it's a, a problem for the Oilers. They don't have that shutdown guy they can throw on the ice to calm things down. And teams, when they, when they smell blood, they come hard. And the Winnipeg Jets came hard and were rewarded with it. Does Kenny Holland need to make a trade to shake this up right up right away? I don't no. think he'll. I don't think he'll do that. But I, I think um, I think he sees this as a team that can make the playoffs. And I think if it gets deeper and they're on the bubble or on the verge of it slipping away, I think he would do something. I don't know if he's quite there yet. 
And the problem with the trade is that guy doesn't come for a while because he's got to go into quarantine before. Well, he gets depending, up yeah, depending on what team it's with. That's true. That's a good point. Okay, okay thanks uh, so much, guys. Reed, we have to have you back on Handkerchief Dynasty sometime soon, bro. Take care. Okay, hang in there, buddy. That is the secret professor. Yes, he has. They have a podcast called Handkerchief Dynasty. I've been a guest on. I don't know his real name. I'm not even sure if he's human. Quite well, frankly, I think he's some sort of. Is he really being. a professor? Well, in whatever dimension he occupies, yes. <laughs> on, on, in, in our dimension on planet Earth, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> He's a sad professor right now, I know that. Well, I don't blame Oilers fans for, for being sad. It's kind of a, it's a, kind of a sad start to the season. Uh, I another mean, again... Play, uh, another player right, that we haven't talked about uh, a whole lot too is, and because we've liked a lot of stuff that he's done, is Cahoon. We're now eight games into the season, he's got one assist. And he's playing on your second line. Yeah, with, true. With your, with, you know, I mean, Drysettle now has 11 points on the year. And I mean, Drysettle's had a nice start to the season, 11 points. He's plus five. He's having a, a good start, both five on five, and you see on the power play as well. But when you're playing with, you know, star players, there's got to be production. And I, I, I've liked Cahoon, a lot of stuff he does, but, you know, one assist through eight games. I mean, you're on pace for a 10 assist season. So, and I, and now that I, I don't remember him having a lot of grade A scoring chances. I mean, Yamamoto has and, and produced on some of them, but Cahoon, I just, I'm starting to think, but when, when has he had a chance? So that's something that to just keep an eye on. I mean, his game five on five is fine, defensively fine, but he, there needs to be production. And Cassian was moved off the first line because of a lack of production. So you got to be careful and watch what Cahoon does going forward. But, this unfortunately, this Oiler team, just like most seasons, it's four players deep, and after those four offensive players, uh, it falls off quite deeply. All right, we have Robert standing by as well. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. How you doing? Good. Oh, uh, I have a question for Rob, and then I have then I have a couple then I have a couple points I want to make. Uh, first off, I guess uh, I guess at this point. I guess in a in a in a tightly condensed schedule such as this, will at some point this oil if the Oilers continue this win one lose one trend, will that eventually catch up with them and see the see them you know like like fall out of the playoff race if they can't if they can't start uh, stringing together some wins? Um, no, I well, don't think course. so. I, I don't think I don't think he will. If you go, if they start going one win, one loss, I still don't think they're going to fall out of it because Ottawa. No, he, they'd be out of it, Rob. They'd be out no, of it. Not for a while. Not for a while. Where are they right now in the standings? No, but if they do this all year, or I mean, no, if, they, if, well, if thirty if thirty games in, they're fourteen well, and sixteen. There'll be a few. There'll be a few points out of the playoffs. The thing is, I think there's going to be three strong teams at the top. And then I think there's going to be one or two teams right around 500, and there's going to be one or two teams that are going to be down at the bottom. So a team that's right around 500 has a chance of being a playoff hockey club here. So, they, I mean, obviously they're going to want to string something together. But we've seen and talked about that it's it, there are a lot of splits on these games. It's, it's, it's tough winning both games. It's tough with sweeping. To get comfortable in a playoff spot, obviously you want to start sweeping and get two or three games in a row. But they, right now, this they're so close that uh, it'll be a while before you fall out if you go win-loss, win-loss. 
two goalies every every team's been been using two goalies for sure so we'll see uh you know we'll see if grossnick maybe could be he could be activated soon i mean i guess they'll want him to practice a couple times but maybe he's available on, on the weekend i don't know how quickly they're going to play him yeah that's the one i was going to ask you too about him reed I, I know that he's able to play on the weekend when is he able to practice because i know well when i talk he's to able to play tomorrow <laughs> Oh, tomorrow is a lot of practice. Tomorrow, when I, well, when I interviewed Holland before the Saturday game against the Canadians, he said once they would be in the uh, once they were back from the road trip, he he'll be through his quarantine. And, but I don't okay. think they'll practice tomorrow. They'll probably they'll probably take a day off. Yeah, that's right. the problem. He might be able to play, but he's gonna he needs practice with the team before you're gonna put him in the net. All right, Oilers lose 6-4 to the Jets. Uh, we'll get to a couple more phone calls when we get back. Hartland Ford, overtime open line. 
Hey, we want to pass our condolences on to Gene Principe and his family. If you've been watching the telecast on Sportsnet, you know that we haven't seen Gene for a while, and there was a very nice tribute to Gene's father today who recently passed away. Gene, of course, is a great man. He's got an awesome family and uh, was very close to his uh, parents, who he's both lost relatively recently. So our uh, our condolences and love to Gene and his family. He is, uh, he is a gentleman. He is... Uh, He's a guy I look up to a lot, Rob, and, uh, you know, we hope that uh, him and his family are, are getting through this best they can. There's not a ni- nicer person in in the sport of hockey than Gene Prince Bay. So, yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Sad time. The team that Gene covers, the Edmonton Oilers, falling tonight 6-4 to the Winnipeg Jets. So, uh, just quickly recapping the story, if you missed this one, Started well for the Oilers. They led 3-1, 11-16 into the game. The Jets got one back before the end of the first. No scoring in the second period. And then in the third, the Jets come out on fire. They get three goals in a span of 3:27. And by the time the period was seven minutes old, they were up 5-3. McDavid got one back with the goalie pulled with a minute 50 left. But the Oilers couldn't mount the charge after that. Andrew Kopp sealed it with an empty netter. So 6-4, the final damage. We have Rocket standing by at 780-496-0063. Hey, Rocket, go ahead. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, my our family's condolences uh, to the uh, Principe family as well. That's uh, very sad news, of course. Um, so uh, uh, that Thanks being that, said, I, I'm not really concerned about what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers more than I am. Like, I, I know all the fans are, and, you know, we're talking about individual players and this, that the other thing but in this covid era if i'm a general manager i'm thinking or or a coach for that matter i'm thinking the team that finds the chemistry the quickest wins so if it means you're bringing in players you know that everybody's upset about you find that chemistry the fastest that's when you're going to go on a run like I think the Oilers have done well. I I think I think you know having no preseason games, all that jazz. You you have to you have to do it quicker, and you have to you have to make changes. Otherwise, you're not going to know how else are you going to do it. And and like like fans have said, like you know Drew Drakara, you know that was maybe his last opportunity, but he had to be in the lineup in order to find out and maybe it's not his last opportunity because I thought he did well on the PK. Well, the one thing that Dave did say tonight, he talked about the fact that they have not found the perfect lineup yet. He said that they're, they're continuing to look to find the right balance. And I agree because I mean, the, there's, there's big holes in certain parts of their, their game. They're still trying to find guys that can come in and do the job. Uh, in the, the three guys, I thought Jones was fine today. I thought Kara had an off night again. And I, and I, <laughs> reading I like him. I like Patrick Russell because he gives you exactly what you want every time he steps on the ice. So uh, for me, I, I would probably put Cuckoo in next game. I would take Kara out and 
and then make your decisions that way of who you're going to bring in, who you're going to pull out. But uh, this is not a perfect team yet, and they're conti- going to continue to move players around until they find a lineup that they feel comfortable going into each and every game with. And I concur. From what I've seen, uh, this is not a team that uh, I feel comfortable with with any lineup that they've had there that I feel comfortable with is the, the, the best lineup they could possibly put in yet. Well, yeah, I mean, they're already losing games. I mean, good teams find different ways to win and bad teams find different ways to lose. I mean, here, here's a blown third period lead, uh, you know, a power play goal against, against the Leafs, uh, a complete disaster, 5-1 to the Canadians. Uh, a 3-1 loss to the Canadians where you lose on on special teams. So different areas of the game are are problems on different nights. And that's that that's one thing I'd look at, Rob. I look at and I mean if sure, sure there are some ongoing themes with uh with the Oilers perhaps and their struggles, but uh, you know, there's kind of also been some other main culprits that have that have popped into the the spotlight as a bad guy along the way too. So that's what worries me is is it's not one or two things to iron out or they have one or two weaknesses that are going to hinder them along the way right now there there are several weaknesses and quite frankly of of the elements you you brought up earlier the three concerns going into the season depth scoring uh defense and goaltending i I mean actually I, i thought koskinen battled on this road trip and at least held them into some games. I mean, maybe you you can, of course you're going to argue when you lose, he needed to make more saves, but I don't know if he let in any really questionable goals on this road trip. But again, he's playing night after night and how is that going to affect him? No, you're right. The the problem is when you you got a goaltender that not letting bad goals in yet, he's only got a around a nine, nine Oh six save percentage, which isn't good enough in the national hockey league. So that means he's not making enough big saves. Um, the problem you, you can find a lot of problems with the others, but then you look at the team they lost to tonight, Winnipeg Jets. They found a way to lose last game. They had a, th- a goal lead late in the hockey game, gave up a power play goal, then gave up a goal with a second to go in the game. So, to me, there's uh, two good teams in the Canadian division. I think the Montreal Canadiens are a very good team. Uh, the only weakness they have is they don't have a superstar. Everywhere else, they're fairly strong. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs have a good team. Uh, their weaknesses, I, I don't think they are great defensively, but I would I would have them as one of the elite teams in this league. I think the rest of the teams are fighting for for playoff spots. I, the Winnipeg Jets, um, their goalie in the first period was terrible. He came on and made some big saves after that. Uh, their defense is not strong. The Calgary Flames, are, they're a 500 hockey club. Ottawa's not very good in the Vancouver Canucks. Their best player hasn't shown up yet this year in Peterson. So all of these teams have got big deficiencies in their games. So the Oilers are just one of those teams. And if they can get a little run, they'll put some distance between them and the ones behind, but they're just going to stick around. So I think the expectation may be too high for the Oilers. Maybe this is the type of team they're going to be. They're going to be a team fight for third, fourth, fifth in the division. They're going to have games where they're going to look excellent, upset some teams. They're going to have games where they get outplayed because the other team gets the bounce or the break that they need. But the, the holes that the Oilers have, are big and that's why the Oilers are where they are. Some nights they excite you and some nights they make you cry. 
All right. Well, it's tears tonight. Jets win at 6-4. You can get more at 630ched.com, globalnews.ca. Don't forget Bob Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Our next game broadcast is Thursday. They're going to be home to the Maple Leafs. The face-off show is at 6. The game will start at 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 6-4. Jets win it. Have a good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.